The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
grace is defined as unmerited favor. Grace is defined as beauty. It is defined as, as righteousness. Grace is what we pray for. It does not cover sin. It does not paint over ugliness. It makes new. It restores to the time before sin entered the world. Grace reigns by means of righteousness or innocence. And it results in eternal life by Jesus Christ. So Paul begins chapter 6 of Romans by saying, What then shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it any longer? Well, that question we need to answer. Because it's obvious that today, in the modern church, the church lives willingly in sin and says they are covered by grace. I've been praying about this issue a great deal. And after some time in prayer, the Lord gave me a dream. I shared it once here, but I... I share it again today. In the dream, I was with a company of people, a church, and we were making our way out of the city. And as we came on the street, suddenly the street dead-ended. It dropped quite a few feet straight down, and there was no way the cars could continue down that road or that street. We were at a dead end. When suddenly everything shifted. And now I've come to a large parking lot. In that parking lot on the far side is a great temple of God. I get out of the car, and I walk to the parking lot. The rows for parking are all identified by chapters of Romans. One is marked Romans 1. The next lane, Romans 2. The next lane, Romans 3. Four, five, and when I came to Romans 6, the Lord's voice spoke to me and said, Walk down Romans 6. And so I began walking down Romans 6. And as I began to come close to where the great temple of God stood, I saw a covering in the street or in the parking lot. 
and coming toward me were two men, well-dressed, and between them was a young woman, dressed in gold. Now, I wondered what the covering was. They removed the covering. And as I came closer to it, I began to watch as it expanded itself. And finally, as I came to the edge, I saw stairs leading down into a subterranean baptismal tank, a large tank. I was amazed. The water was warm. I looked at the young woman, and I beckoned for her to come and be baptized. She turned her face away. She did not want to come and enter that baptismal tank. I spoke with her kindly. I continued to urge her to come and enter into that baptismal tank. And then I awakened. I puzzled over this dream for some time. What became abundantly clear to me was that this young woman, this maiden dressed in gold, represented the modern church. The modern church has a great deal of faith. We can believe in anything. We can sing songs and and we can praise God. But the modern church, wanting to be well-dressed, wanting to walk in faith, is unwilling to enter into that baptismal tank. Now, I want to read for you what Paul says in Romans about that baptismal tank. Or are you ignorant, Romans 6, verse 3, that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It is necessary that every Christian be baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. But there's a great resistance in the body of Christ today. There is great resistance to be baptized into his death. Now, this is not speaking about a water baptism in the sixth chapter. This is speaking about a Holy Spirit experience. It's talking about that time and that place where you have made a conscious decision to be baptized into the death of Jesus. Verse 4, really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death, that just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around 
in the newness of life. And this word newness in the Greek means something that you have never experienced before. You have never seen before. It is brand new. Now, what is the hesitation to be baptized into his death? Well, when I am baptized into the death of Jesus Christ and I am buried together with him in that tomb where he slept for three days, everything changes. And we are a people who have enjoyed information and emotional experience. Some of you are absolutely committed to continuing to walk in your fear, in your depression. They are comfortable caves for you to dwell in. Some of you are absolutely determined that you will continue to enjoy the entertainment of this world. You're absolutely committed to pursuing those worldly pleasures that have nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with the world, the flesh, and the devil. They may be quite innocent because, remember, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's a tree of good. It's not just a tree of evil. And we have, in our modern age, learned how to say one thing while we do something dramatically different. We've learned to hold back and not make a real commitment. (coughs) We've learned how to say, I'm a Christian, but then go out and have a good time, drinking, carousing, sexually unclean, reading all of the popular magazines of the day, watching the TV shows, engaging in whatever we want to engage in that we consider to be good. We don't walk around in the newness of life. Yes, some things have changed. Maybe you have overcome your alcohol or your tobacco, or maybe you've overcome some other unclean sin. But then you continue walking in your anger, in your bitterness, in your defensiveness, in your entitlement. You continue to walk around with a form of godliness, but you have no power. You've not spent the time in the prayer closet. You've not spent the time reading the scriptures. There's been no fasting for you. You just want to live a comfortable life. You want to be able to go to church and enjoy a wonderful, inspiring message and hear the music. But you don't want to go into that baptismal tank where you die. 
because you know that if you were to ever go into that baptismal tank, if you were to ever die with Jesus, everything would have to change for you. And you don't want those changes. You've already made enough changes, you think. You call yourself a Christian. But how many people have you brought to Jesus this year? Have you brought anyone yet this month to Jesus? Have you borne testimony that Jesus is Lord even in this first month of the new year? All of last year. Do you have a flock of people that you have brought to Jesus? Are you bearing fruit? Or are you still walking around in your flesh, enjoying your lifestyle, enjoying the Enjoying these things that do not carry you successfully into the kingdom of God. Some of you have a life totally absent of joy. Joy is not a part of your natural life in Jesus because you still go back and you dig up that dead old man and you look at all of those things that you did wrong and you've been told, you've been forgiven, but you want to go back and resurrect them and and see if there's still any life in them. And so you're constantly being assailed by the powers of darkness. You're not living a wonderful, victorious life in Jesus because your heart is filled with doubt and with fear, with depression, with discouragement, with with self-doubt. You're not walking around in the newness of life. Listen to verse 5. For if we've been united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united with him in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. The actual word in the Greek is to destroy. Now, some translations say that the body of sin might be brought to an end. If we look at the NIV, uh, let me read it for you. Let me go quickly to Romans. I want to read this for you. I want you to see the different definitions. Uh, If we look at verse 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anybody who has died has been freed from sin. Now in Second Timothy, the third chapter, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. We're living in that last day, and there are now terrible times that we're dwelling in. And then it says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Well, the problem is he's speaking about the church. He's describing the modern church. How do we have nothing to do with them when we are the modern church? So the call of Christ today is to enter into that place of death with Jesus. And it means coming deliberately to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I choose to die. I'm not going to choose to live any longer in this sense of entitlement that anybody owes me anything. Instead, Jesus, I'm going to trust you for everything. I'm not going to become angry when someone at work speaks to me in a way that I'm not pleased with. I'm not going to become angry and hurt when someone says something to me that is very harsh. I'm not going to continue to walk in judgment against myself. I'm going to die to that. I'm not going to continue to walk in my pride or in my self-sufficiency. I'm going to die to that. I'm not going to continue walking with my heart lusting after, you name it, food, provision, sexual gratification, success, money. I'm not going to continue being an entrepreneur. Now, there's nothing wrong with starting a business, and there's nothing wrong with succeeding in that business. The problem comes when I go into that business to be somebody. The problem is when I go into that business so I can make a lot of money. I don't go into business to make a lot of money. I go into business to serve Jesus Christ if I'm a Christian. 
and to serve other people. It's about service. So when you go to make that business call, are you there to serve that person and their company? Or are you there with greedy hands to grab what you can grab to make a name for yourself? You see, when you die to yourself, when you enter into that grave with Jesus, you become, at the resurrection, a new person, a person of compassion, of love, of mercy, of kindness, the fruit of the Spirit from the book of Galatians. That becomes the definition of who you are and what your life is about. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. But I want to tell you, I want to warn you, There is a period of time. It is different for each one of us. There is a period of time when it seems like our decision to follow Jesus Christ has brought us to an absolute end of ourselves. And yes, it has brought us to an end of ourselves. And how do we survive that? There is always a gap between our cutting off our life and Jesus opening up the new life. And it's that three days in the grave. There will always be grave time. But if six months from now you're still in the grave, there is a very serious problem. The only reason you would still be in the grave in six months is because your heart has resisted dying out. And you have not cried out to Jesus and prayed through and gained the victory. And most people that I know perhaps even begin to pray and say, Jesus, would you do this work in my heart? Nothing happens. I heard a man recently say, if you go to Jesus and you ask him to give you a new heart, to make you into a new person, if you go and confess your sins, you will immediately sense a total change. You'll recognize that you are not the same person anymore. Well, he was a young man. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand the grave. You don't go through a grave overnight. It takes some time of intense prayer to get to the bottom of the failure of the human heart. And that has to be prayed through 
and every area identified, pride, anger, bitterness, ambition, love of money, a sense of entitlement, a lust of my heart, all of that has to be prayed through and put on the cross. And usually, you have to go through those one by one by one. But there is an end. And there is a joyous victory. Where we say, thank you, Jesus. My heart is clean. I am free. I no longer walk in this sin. You have utterly removed it from my heart. Now, I was raised in a poor family. And I wanted money. And there was a part of my heart that said, I'm going to go after money. I'm not going to live poor. So when I was in seminary, I had a full scholarship plus stipend for living. But I also worked at a job. Because... I wanted to buy a Mercedes. And for the first years of my ministry, I always drove Mercedes Benz. Now, was that sin? No, I'm not going to identify it as sin if you're driving a Mercedes Benz. You may have the resources and God may have given you that Mercedes. But I am going to tell you it was a very strong indicator in my heart that I was in trouble with God. And I moved on from that point as a pastor, finding ways of doing workshops, of doing things that would bring in more money than my salary. And finally, the Lord said to me, Stop, or I will leave you. And I had to face the reality that my love of money was sin against Almighty God. And I repented and I asked him to remove it from me. And from that point forward, I gave myself wholly to the work of the gospel and totally cut off every strategy for making money. I entered into the death of Jesus with my love of money. Then I wanted success. If I wasn't going to have money, then I wanted success as a pastor. And I gave myself to building a great church. And finally the Lord said to me, it's your church, not mine. If you want me, close it. And I went to the elders and to the board, and we closed the church. I had to die to my ambition. And that began a period of time in my life of about seven years where I had no public ministry, and the Lord alone carried me financially, but I lost my 
savings, my retirement, my house, my car. I lost everything of a physical nature. Now, it's very clear that if you want Jesus, everything is going to have to go to the cross. Now, you can extend this time and prolong it and make it exceedingly difficult, or you can make it easy. You can simply go and ask Jesus to baptize you into his death and take that very specific thing into the grave with you and utterly and totally give it up to Jesus. That's your choice. You can give it up. I have a a new telephone that's very, very difficult for me. And so sometimes it interferes and it's supposed to be silent, but it's not always silent. So I don't have an answer for what I'm going to do with that yet, but I'm trusting Jesus. My eyes are on him. When we come to Jesus Christ, we must enter into that death. And it means literally the old man of sin has to be crucified. Pardon me. That body of sin has to be destroyed. And it can only be destroyed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, He says, for the one having died has been freed from sin. If you say today to me, Pastor, I'm still walking in known sin against the Lord God of heaven. Then I will say to you, it is because you have refused to enter into that baptismal tank with Jesus. And you are like most in the modern church in America who have refused to be crucified with Christ. That's why there's no power in the church. It's why there's no testimony. It's why the lost are not being saved. It's why America is going down the tube. Because the church has no fire. It has no power. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. If you have not died with Jesus you will never live with him. You cannot be saved and walk in sin and rebellion. 
that sin, that rebellion, has to be crucified. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking with you, and he's been giving you direction. And you have been resistant. You have not wanted that total surrender to Jesus. You've thought, this is quite innocent. Come on, Pastor. Well, much on the tree of the knowledge of good is quite innocent. But it's not the tree of life. And the devil doesn't just bring to us evil. He also brings to us good. You have your lifestyle. You have the places you go. You have the things you do. You have your rituals. You have your, you have your things that you enjoy doing. But do they bring you to Jesus? Do they draw your heart to the scriptures? Do they draw you to fasting? Do they draw you to prayer? And have you gone through systematically every area, every closet, every room of your heart and laid it all out before Jesus? The Holy Spirit will not move into your life so long as you are also in your life. He will not share your life with you. If you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to move out of your life. And you move out of your life by entering into that crucifixion with Jesus. Scriptures only know one way to deal with sin. And that is crucifixion. There is no other way. He says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised out from among dead men, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For in that he died, he died with reference to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives with respect to God. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me ask you a question. Have you left all of your sin? Well, pastor, no, it's impossible to leave all of my sin then you are in direct disobedience to verse 11 of chapter 6 in Romans. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Do you think yourself that you are dead to all sin? Or are you still living in that which the Lord has told you that you must let go of? Are you living for God in Christ Jesus, thinking yourself to be dead to sin? Now, I'm going to warn you, I receive much scorn from men and women 
who call themselves Christians, when I say to them, I think of myself as being utterly dead to sin and not walking in sin in my life. They say, what do you think you are, perfect? Nobody's perfect, pastor. No, I'm not mature. I'm very immature yet. But I'm not walking in any known sin against my Lord. I'm not doing things. I'm not entering into things that the Holy Spirit has told me, leave that alone. I'm not walking in ways where I just walk because that's what seems natural. No, I'm not going there. I'm walking in the ways of Jesus. I'm walking in the way of service. I'm walking in the way of love and mercy and grace. And do I make mistakes? Yes. But mistakes are not sin. Sin is when I deliberately choose or I become unconscious by deliberate choice. And I do things and I go places and I think things that are not in accord with the scriptures, but are in accord with my own flesh desires. When I walk clean with Jesus, it's because I've been crucified with him. And that body of sin has been destroyed. Now, there are words in the Greek language that speak of suppression, holding down. Nowhere in the New Testament is sin ever spoken of in terms of being pressed down. You don't outgrow sin. You don't heal from sin. Sin is always dealt with in one way by Jesus and the same way by the Apostle Paul. Sin is dealt with by Jesus always with amputation. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Paul deals with sin by saying, you must be crucified with Christ. You must be Crucified, you must be nailed to that cross. Your sin must be nailed to that cross. You don't grow out of sin. You don't do as some people when I ask them, are you clear with Jesus or are there still areas in your heart that are in rebellion? They'll say to me, Pastor, I'm not all right, but I'm working on it. Wrong. What they're really saying is, I'm working on it. I don't want to get rid of it because I enjoy it. I don't want to cut it off because I still love it. What they're really saying is, I really don't see that much wrong with it. It's one of those things that is considered good from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, I've kept it around. I enjoy it. I enjoy having some whatever it is. I enjoy going wherever it is. 
I enjoy watching whatever it is. But the Holy Spirit's been saying to you, stop it, cut it off. When the Holy Spirit told me to turn off my television many years ago, I was very upset. And then, after a period of time, he said to me, now take your television out and put it in the trash. And it was a new large screen Sony. Those many years ago, I just paid a thousand dollars for it. I took that thousand dollar television out and I put it in the trash. My neighbor came by quickly and said, pastor, does that still work? It's brand new, isn't it? Yeah. Well, can I have it? Yeah. And he carried it away. What is it that's still happening in your life that stands between you and Jesus? Will you come now and enter into that crucifixion with Jesus? Will you get on your face before God? And will you stay there and pray through until you have the victory? And will you do that with every area of temptation and of sin in your life? And will you today enter into the newness of life? Now, we're almost out of time today, and I'm going to go more into it next week. Tomorrow is a a day of prayer. When I look at what sin does to us, I'm heartbroken. Look what it did to Adam and Eve. It uncovered their nakedness and they were ashamed. And then they hid from God. And then their son murdered their other son. And then the whole world became utterly corrupt, violent, evil, vile. There is nothing enjoyable about the vileness of sin. How many families have been broken by affairs, divorces? How many families have been destroyed? by seductresses, male or female? How many families have been destroyed by a brutal father or a drunkard, mother or husband? How many families have been destroyed with drugs? How many families have been destroyed by angry, hostile words, by judgments, Probably judgments are one of the most painful things I've had happen in my life, as other people have made very harsh judgments about me and cut me off. Well, why would they do that? Because in their pride, they think they're the righteous one. And they disagree with what I teach from the scriptures. It's very painful to be cut off by 
angry, prideful people who, because they disagree with you, want nothing to do with you. And I've had to take that to Jesus and die to their approval and be crucified for that desire to be approved of by anybody. And so I come on this broadcast and I don't, I don't try to gain your approval. I don't try to please you. I try to please Jesus. I love Jesus. I love peace and joy and hope. I love honest conversation about Jesus. I love the beauty of nature. I've been enjoying recently a a cam on the internet of the Nambian Desert. I've been enjoying watching the the zebras come and the ibux and the and the ostriches and the giraffes. I love to watch God's nature. I love to walk in the snow. I love the the quiet of the world after a heavy snowfall has come. There are so many beautiful things that are not involved in sin. I love to enjoy a pleasant meal with family or with friends. That is a gift of God. I love to to just spend time with people I love. I love to spend time with Jesus. I love to read the scriptures. There's so many wonderful things that have been given to us that Satan has not been able to steal from us. But there is such vileness in the world and such bitter, angry violence. I want nothing to do with that. I want to walk in peace with all men and all women. I will defend the innocent, but I want Jesus. You can have that newness of life, but you're going to have to enter into that baptismal tank. You're going to have to be crucified with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I ask that you would move in power among your people to induce them, to invite them, to enter into the crucifixion with you, Jesus, that they might also experience the newness of life in the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me. Let me give you the address. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley at the National Prayer Chapel. 
can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. If you're not subscribed already to our YouTube channel, would you subscribe today? It will give Google a chance to spread even further this message of the gospel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.